Welcome to Cool Stuff Ride Home. Marcus Paff once again joining you alongside Reggie Rizou. On today's episode, a three-legged dog with a second chance at life. Thanks to one groundbreaking veterinary drug, the tiniest apartment in New York City and its cost. Plus, one individual's commute takes to the skies. And on this day in history, Pokemon makes its debut. That's coming up on Cool Stuff. In Gainesville, Florida, one family is celebrating the FDA-approved drug Stelfanta after it saved the leg and likely the life of their already three-legged dog, Annabelle Lee. Annabelle was a rescue pit bull adopted from the organization Plenty of Pit Bulls back in 2017. Now eight years old, her owners, Alicia and Andrew Alderson of Virginia, discovered a three-centimeter mast cell tumor on her rear left leg late last year. Traditional surgical options were ruled out due to her already having only three legs. Her front left leg was amputated prior to her adoption. No reason given for that. Said Andrew Alderson, quote, it's a very fulfilling feeling to save a dog's life that would otherwise be under so much, you know, pressure, end quote. Per ABC affiliate WCBJ, Dr. Emily Moser, the managing director at Town and Country Veterinarians and Pet Resort in Gainesville, introduced the couple to Stelfanta, which is an intertumorial injection. Said Moser, quote, it's fantastic. I mean, that's the best part of my job when I can help an animal and having new tools in my toolkit to be able to help is wonderful, end quote. Annabelle was one of the first patients Dr. Moser used this medicine on, and the Aldersons say it only took about a month to completely kill the tumor. Per a GNN report, Stelfanta was specifically designed to target mast cell tumors in dogs. It induces necrosis within the tumor while promoting rapid healing of the affected site, all with minimal scarring and a response from 87% of pups having utilized the cancer drug. Said Andrew Alderson, quote, she has enough trust in us. It was obvious, you know, after a certain amount of time that she knows we're not giving her all this medicine for just because, end quote. Today, Annabelle Lee is cancer free and back to her normal, playful self. She goes for a checkup once every three to six months just to be sure her tumor doesn't come back. So uh, one of those feel good stories, Reg, and not to lump animals and humans all together. But, you know, the last few weeks, it feels as though We've had a number of stories talking about different steps forward in the field of cancer research, be it for animals or humans. Yeah, that's great to see. And I, I would feel bad for this dog if they didn't, obviously, putting the dog down would be a consideration if, you know, you got to a certain point. But if they just amputated the leg, both left limbs would be gone. It'd be one thing, I guess, if you had a right and left and you can maybe still hop around. But yeah, this dog's life would have been, I, I don't know, very unhappy if it's a playful puppy and likes to go around. So I'm happy they're able to cure this or take care of this for the dog. And it's great to see all this cancer research getting to the point where it is now. Yeah. And when you're talking about the dogs or any animal pet for that matter, it's always difficult as an owner having to make a decision like that, knowing that your pet is not going to understand the decision either way. It's tough. I'm, I'm sure which you could attest to with young kids as well, but uh, always better when you can at least explain, hey, this is why we're doing this. It's not here, not because we want to torture you, but because we want what's best for you. And unfortunately, this is the best path forward. I am curious about that quote where she said the dog has enough trust in them. It, it knows that it's trying to do what's best for them. I, I, I don't know if the dog actually does, but I'm sure it got more comfortable around the people constantly seeing it is, is my guess. I, I don't think it understands, hey, they're, they're fixing my leg for me. I, I don't know if they fully comprehend that, but I, I think it was more of a trust issue myself that helped 
the dog relaxed more. You see the same medical professionals constantly. And eventually, you know, you, you kind of get used to the process. Yeah. You know, I love dogs. And once they uh, begin to love you and develop an affinity, they'll let you do whatever you think you need to do uh, in, in those situations, regardless of whether or not they fully comprehend. But yeah, you're 100% right on that. Well, great real estate is rarely cheap. And the most prominent example of this, at least in the U.S., is probably Midtown Manhattan. The average rent for a one-bedroom apartment in the area is approximately $4,700 per month. So you can imagine the kind of money you have to make just to consider living in this area. But as is often the case in highly desirable cities, realtors will make use of every square inch at their disposal and I can only imagine that's what led to the alleged tiniest apartment in New York hitting the market for $1,200 per month, despite not having a kitchen or bathroom. In fact, based on the photos and video posted by Instagram user Realtorimer, I'd be hard-pressed to even label this space a bedroom. Unfortunately, there's no square footage listed here, but we'll link to the video in today's show notes so you can see for yourself. I can confidently say that many people would be able to stand in the middle of this room, spread their arms, and easily touch both walls. There is a window leading to the fire escape along with two electrical outlets in the room, one on either side, but you have to make your way down the hall in order to use the communal bathroom and shower. And I don't know about you, Reg, this isn't the communal bathroom of your college dorm where there were at least multiple stalls and showers available. It's a single toilet and shower seemingly for everyone to share. Uh, he was not happy having a family of six people and having to share a single bathroom when I was younger. There's no way I'd do it in an apartment <laughs> building. Yeah, growing up, I did the same, although with only four. And that was miserable enough trying to get ready and out the door for school in the morning. I mean, at least... At least when you're with your family, again, probably sharing too much information, one of you can be on the toilet while one of you are in the shower. Oh. If you're in an apartment building, that's not happening. Maybe with brothers, bro. Me and my sister, we're not doing any of that. <laughs> you're either in or you're out. So presumably, if you're you know, going to rent this or considering renting this New York City apartment, you'll have to schedule your shower around the other residents of the building. Although there was no word on whether or not most of the other units had a dedicated bathroom, which I assume is probably the case, but assuming in Manhattan can be dangerous. Kitchen wise, I guess you're using a hot plate and microwave to heat your meals, but you won't be throwing any dinner parties here. Uh, all I can say is you've really got to want to live in midtown Manhattan to take on this space for the price of a mortgage in many smaller cities throughout the country. I think my favorite comment on the Instagram video was simply, quote, prison cells are bigger than this. And quote, it's true. It is. The user, <laughs> Colonel Cufflink, is not wrong. And those, and those usually come with their own toilet, Reggie. Granted, no surrounding walls, so I guess there's something to be said for that. But you have a toilet in your room, your cell. Yeah, as much as I sometimes complain about living in Wisconsin, I'm not paying these prices. I have a house, a decent sized house that I'm living in that I bought for less than this person's paying per month to live in a closet, essentially. Right. I mean, for people who have large walk-in closets in their homes, this is not even that large. 
Yeah, I'm thinking more broom closet. That's basically, I think what they did is turn a broom closet into an apartment and is now charging $1,200 a month for it. Do you remember the episode of Seinfeld where Elaine irritated the Chinese takeout restaurant and couldn't get them to deliver to her apartment because it was (laughs) on the wrong side of the street? And so she... She walked over to the other block and took control of a janitorial closet and threw up an apartment number and and had food delivered there. That's kind of what it reminded me of seeing the interior of this place. You're going, all right, so you could store some mops, some brooms, what have you. I mean, maybe the bigger takeaway here is just how outrageous rent has gotten in general. Uh, Granted, nothing is Midtown Manhattan. That's about as bad as you're going to get in this country maybe up there with, with San Francisco, it's pretty wild. And, and certainly you see why people in some of these areas really struggle to make ends meet. As you said, rent can be expensive. So can school. And if you live in a metropolis, you know, like Manhattan, or in this case, Vancouver, it can get out of hand. A student in Canada decided to commute to class, but not the typical way. Tim Chen decided to fly to his classes at the University of British Columbia in Canada instead of paying rent, and he is saving money in the process. Now, he lives in Calgary, which is a 600-mile flight, which he takes twice a week. He said rent is around $2,500 per month, but he only pays around $150 per round trip for each flight two times a week, so that's averaging around $1,200 per month. So he's saving around $1,300 a month by flying to class. Chen said, quote, I thought, why don't I just stay at Calgary and fly there like an hour flight? That's like the same as taking a bus, end quote. Now, he did rent in Vancouver for years, but then he took a break from school. When he decided to return to school, that's when he found those prices have increased significantly. In fact, Vancouver is Canada's most expensive city to rent, and it's hard to find a place. There is only a 0.9% vacancy rate. Jeez. Some of Chen's classmates have been seen living in their vans when they couldn't afford rent, with one student saying that it is the only financial viable option as they could never afford a bachelor suite of any kind by themselves. As for Chen, he has three hours of classes per week total, and he uses the bus time and airport time, you know, flying in the sky, to work on his study. So at least he's making good use of that time when he's in the air. He will graduate at the end of the academic year and plans to keep flying to class until he does. You know, I hate flying. I hate being in the airport. But I guess if you have schoolwork to do, you're making use of your time. But still, I I don't know how I'd feel about having to go through security twice a week just to get to school. Well, I I agree, Reg, in that I used to take a lot of joy in the the flying experience getting there maybe sitting down at a bar or restaurant hanging out and doing all those things the older i've gotten the less i like that experience and to think about doing it twice a week right now you're right it, it sounds kind of miserable what i do wonder is is he locked into a rate on this particular airline uh, i mean how far in advance does he book all these flights and do they work with him? I mean, I'd probably be asking for a bulk discount of some sort. <laughs> hey, I'm going to be on this twice a week for the foreseeable future. What can you do for me here? At 150 round trip, he's getting a good deal. I mean, most trips I find minimum $300, $600, somewhere in that range. So he's getting a good deal at 150 per round trip. Yeah, and I and that's where I wonder, was it negotiated or is that just the going rate? Because... Typically, even for the same trip, the prices don't remain stagnant for each flight. It's 
it's all dependent upon when you book and different variables, how full the flight is. Is there an event in Vancouver that week? How That said, to divert a bit, the fact that some of his classmates are forced to live out of their cars. I mean, we mentioned this with the tiny apartment story. That just goes to show you how horrific rent is, not only in New York City, but in a number of places around the globe right now. Tough for people to have a place to call home and feel good about. And one tidbit from the story that I think I should bring up is it didn't say anything about what he pays in rent for Calgary. So I'm assuming he's back with his parents, but I'm just assuming here. Yeah, that's a good point because you would have to total or add that cost into the cost of flying there. Yeah. So if you had $1,200 in rent in your hometown and you did $1,200 in flying, you might as well just stay, you know, and pay the $2,500 to live in Vancouver. Do we know what he's majoring in? Because I can't help but wonder, why can't you just take some of these classes online now? I did not see what he's majoring in. Uh, finance, okay. I'm assuming, with the, these numbers. <laughs> well, I was going to say it could be lab work or something where you have to physically be there and touch things. So I, I don't know. But that, that would be my first thought is, can I do any of this online? Or can I take these classes maybe... Uh, again, this is Canada, so I'm not totally familiar with the educational system and if, how it may differ from the U.S., but could you take something at a community college, for example, and potentially just have it transfer in to take the place of going all the way to British Columbia? I don't know. It may seem like Pokemon has been around forever, but it was on February 27th, 1996, when it made its first appearance in Pocket Monsters Red and Green for the Game Boy in Japan. Pokemon is a role-playing based game that involves players creating a team of monsters to battle other monsters as you advance on and, you know, try to catch them all, as they say, and be the best. It came out when the Game Boy craze was actually starting to die down, and the game had some moderate success, although Nintendo didn't expect any success from it. However, when players discovered the character Mew, it was a, it's a rare character in the game, there ended up being a contest around it. Sales took off at that moment. Following that success, they released Pokemon Blue with better graphics and sounds. And then after the games were released, the Pokemon trading card game came out in October of 1996, with the first set having 102 cards. Following that, manga and anime adaptations were released in 1997, both of which extremely successful. So I was at the age where I was never really into Pokemon. I feel like I was getting to that adult age and the anime seemed a little... I don't know, I don't, childish for me. So I never really got into it, but its popularity clearly never went away. In fact, my kids are collecting the cards. They don't play the games or the, the card or the video games, either one, but they are aware of it. They like to have the cards. And uh, I, I don't know. What about you, Marcus? Are you a uh, Pokemon? Do you try to catch them all? Uh, no. In fact, I have very little knowledge of Pokemon, the Pokemon universe, anything that goes into that. I know that game... What was it? I mean, eight, nine years ago, probably now, where you were running around trying to see these ghosts using your phone and catching them with a net. Oh, what was yeah. that? Pokemon Go or something? Yeah. Yeah. Was that it? Was that, that long ago already? Yeah. Oh, I want to say that was probably around like uh, 2015, 2016, something like that. Yeah. So I know there are still some people that play that. It's still active. Some people still do it. I know that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's blown up into a massive franchise in, like you said, a relatively short amount of time. <laughs> we're, we're in the same boat, not of that age. So it never caught my attention at the time that it was, it was out. And for that matter, I, I liked Game Boy. I thought it was cool, but I never had one. I did have a Game Gear, which was Sega Genesis's 
uh, answer to the Game Boy, and that never took off in the same way, though it did come in color long before the Game Boy did. And because you could see the screen and stuff, the batteries died out in the Game Gear really fast. So <laughs> if you didn't have you know batteries on hand, you know, the Game Boy, those batteries lasted a decent amount of time. I had a Game Boy. Uh, I didn't have a lot of games for it, but I had it. And I do play a lot of video games, role-playing and otherwise. I just never really got into Pokemon, and I'm to the point now where I don't really want to. Although I did see the Pikachu uh, detective movie. I did watch that. I was not aware there was a Pikachu detective movie, so you've taught me something here on this podcast today, Reggie. It's a live-action movie. You you can watch it, except for it's got like the, I guess, cartoon or digitally enhanced characters for the Pokemon, but the people in it are live action. Well, I can't wait to watch them all. (laughs) Ooh, good one. That'll do it for another Cool Stuff ride home. You can reach us at coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'm Reggie Rizzo. He's Marcus Path. We'll be back with more Cool Stuff tomorrow.